Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You already know what time it is. It's that official time. When we take this worldwide. So now it's time to turn it up Surf the radio waves as we begin to burn it up We all up in your area like landscape Definitely bringing you the power slam and pancakes It's a mandate that you tune in It's time to move out so we can move in And recognize that this is no illusion I'm here to clear the air so that there is no confusion It all started off in the book of Genesis When Jacob was wrestling with who he thought was his nemesis And when the man saw he couldn't overpower him He touched his hip but he really couldn't devoured him and from that point, then we hear a name change, rearrange the game, so now we gotta change lanes. Uh, so I'm here to let you know it's time to listen to the Pancake and Power Slam show. Let's go! Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam show. Uh. You are now listening to the Pancakes and Power Slam Show by Crave Wrestling on Blog Talk Radio. Be sure to follow Crave Wrestling on Twitter at Crave Wrestling and join the Facebook fan page Crave Wrestling. You are now listening to the Pancakes and Power Slam Show. Hosted by Chris Featherstone and Derek of Crave Wrestling. This is the new Tuesday Night Titans. Episode 207, ladies and gentlemen. It is the Pancakes and Power Slam show. I am really excited about something really interesting today. We have a a nice guest with us today. But beforehand... Let's introduce the baddest co-host on the planet, Derek. How are you tonight? Hey, I'm always doing fine, Chris. We're here at Cakes and Power Slams, the best 90 minutes of the whole week, and I'm ready to go. We've got some stuff going on tonight. We've got uh, a new guest speaker, a new home. Uh, I couldn't be – there's nothing else to be happier about. So we're going to get things rolling. This is where to be. The new Tuesday Night Titans, 90 minutes, is never – and never will be enough. Absolutely. 
And ladies and gentlemen, let's introduce live here from WrestleView.com, Mr. Adam Martin. How are you tonight, sir? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Doing really, really good, man. So this is Super Tuesday. So, uh, Adam, are you into uh, Super Tuesday at all? Yeah, actually, I started doing uh, a political podcast with a neighbor of mine, lives a couple houses down from me, and uh, he knew I was into podcasting and asked if I would be interested in talking politics, which is a it's a lethal conversation to have with uh, with certain people. It's kind of like talking religion. Sometimes people will want to talk about that or not. So, um, yeah. I, I do have an interest in politics, though. I uh, I went to college for political science, and I, it's, a, it's a very interesting uh, thing to observe and I'm, I'm not so much um the person that likes to, to play the sides i i think i did early i i did i was kind of that way now i kind of just like to observe and this this year is just completely strange and interesting and, and I'm, i've definitely been keeping up with with stuff that uh, takes place on a daily basis because things just seem to change uh almost every day right now the political landscape yeah yeah, and strange is, a, is uh, I think strange is uh, given it a compliment. <laughs> it's by saying the word <laughs> strange. Yeah. So, so where are you leaning? Um, I, I don't know yet. Uh, the the podcast I do uh, with my with my neighbor, we um, the the name of the show is Flyover Politics, and mm. uh, you can look us up on SoundCloud. It's three one nine Flyover on SoundCloud, and. We did go to the Iowa. I live in Iowa, so we were the first state to technically vote. So we uh, we took part in the Iowa caucuses, and we went to a caucus locally here. And we decided at the last second to go to the Democrat caucus instead of the Republican one. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, it, it, it looks like it's going to come down to Hillary and Donald Trump. And I honestly am not blown away by either of them as a candidate. So this is going to be a really uh, interesting year i think for a lot of people there's so many people on the on the republican side that really really dislike donald trump and then there's people on the democratic side that also really dislike uh hillary and and they kind of want to get away from the the clinton regime and they're ready to move on but i it doesn't seem like people are ready to move on because she cleaned up again tonight when when sanders uh sanders did keep it pretty close in a lot of the states with her but um it's it's you know the the bernie thing was starting to definitely it felt like there, there was some momentum there but it's it's looking like she's uh, going to coast in to get the nomination, which is what a lot of people expected, just because it wasn't uh, there wasn't a whole lot of challengers on that side of the uh, the fence. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's uh, it's definitely a very very uh, <laughs> a bit of a circus uh, this this election, and uh, I, I am I am definitely a a proud conservative and. Um, I'll tell you what, man. I, I, uh, Trump is not the guy for for me at all. And um, you know, I, I'm from Ohio, and I've, I, I'm, you know, it's at this point is to the point. It, it boils down to, you know, it, there's a there a, there's a hashtag that says never Trump at this time, and and uh, I am definitely part of that movement. Uh, and, and it's funny because you talk about religion and politics, and I'm deeply religious, and I'm. And I'm very conservative, and I'm a uh, a, a big black guy with locks, and so uh, it's a very interesting <laughs> conundrum. <laughs> so, <laughs> so <laughs> where I'm where I'm placed in uh, in and from from a religion and a, poli- and a political view. So yeah, it's 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 fun stuff, man. I I love uh, watching the coverage, and um, 
I just stay glued to CNN and it's uh, it's really, really interesting. And, and I, I agree with you, man. I, I think a Trump Clinton ticket is just uh, not what America wants, but I think, you know, it, it's one of those things that I, I think I, I know America wants change and I know America just, uh, I think as a whole is not satisfied with, with uh, what we've been experiencing over the years. And um, I, I think, I, I think Donald Trump pulls to the heartstrings, and Ted Cruz says something very interesting. I'm not necessarily a huge Ted Cruz supporter either, but uh, he said something very interesting. He said that Donald Trump he he appeals to the lower educated people, and and I, you know I I didn't take that as a, a slight necessarily to people who are dumb or stupid. Is it's more people who aren't necessarily politically savvy as far as just, you know, understanding their own view or own, their own uh, tendency towards policies and, and things like that. It just, it's just an emotional pull. And uh, that's what we're seeing with, uh, with, with the Trump ticket and, and Clinton's doing a lot, a lot of that as well. I think a lot of people are just angry too. Um, yeah. <clears throat> it seems like it seems very reactionary to the last uh the last two election cycles with, with president Obama. And, and I think there was, there was such a huge, you know, swarm of support for him in, in, in his first campaign. And then the second time around there were, there was still some, there was obviously still support for him, but it wasn't as large as it was the four years prior. And, and then the right. best the Republicans could do was, was put forth Mitt Romney, who I didn't think Mitt Romney was a, was a, a terrible candidate, but he certainly wasn't the candidate that that party needed at that moment. And I was very surprised right. that he got the nomination and, um, you know, it just it, it's kind of it's more surprising to me how much time the Republican Party has had and, and then the, the lack of candidates that they've put forth. I mean, they, they seem to have a lot of ammo in, in their bag to use against the other side. And they just keep putting forth some really strange candidates. And I'm, I'm kind of baffled by that, how they, they have all these opportunities. And then they just kind of put forth like a guy like Ted Cruz or a guy like Donald Trump. And I think, you know, at, at one point, Marco Rubio seemed to, to have some support but he he dropped out officially tonight and uh yep. so he's he's bowed out and, and Kasich will mo- most likely be bowing out soon even though he won ohio he won your state today so you know we'll we'll see how it goes but it's pretty obvious from a, ma- from a mathematical standpoint there could be a broker convention for the republicans but it seems pretty obvious that that trump's on his way to get the nomination but there's a lot of people that uh i've heard all over the all over the place who are not happy about that at all yeah and I think the I think that the for those people that you who you're referring to I think the convention is is uh, the way to go and uh, it's sad that uh, it's sad that it's gonna that it's gonna maybe get there and I think that winning Ohio uh, for Kasich uh, it, it 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 took a blow I mean it took a blow in Trump's path and um, you know and, and Cruz you know trying to do some things. I know that they were battling in Missouri and, and North Carolina for a second. I think, uh, I think in, he ended up getting the projection for North Carolina, but um, yeah, it's, and, and, you know, and then Cruz, you know, he's, he's on this big thing of, you know, everybody just unite and, and come with me. And uh, which, I mean, you know, it, it could bring some validation. We'll see, you know, with Rubio gone and it's a three man race now, you know, those, uh, those numbers are, starting to winnow and, and, and starting to lean towards people who aren't Trump supporters. So it's 
it's going to be very, very interesting. So, well, roadblock ladies and uh, gentlemen listening right now live. And of course, uh, Derek and myself and uh, our wonderful, esteemed uh, Russell View owner, uh, Adam, we're going to talk some, we're going to talk some roadblock. Derek as a whole, we're going to go through the, uh, of course, we're going to go through the masses, but Derek as a whole, what would you think, what, what do you think of roadblock? Did it do anything to move the needle as far as people getting excited or even the de- storyline development to WrestleMania? No, it didn't. I mean, for me, I mean, roadblock, honestly, I watched, I didn't see it live. I watched bits and pieces of it. And for the most part, it was just kind of a, it's kind of, it's a slight against the the two main events that's going to happen at WrestleMania. I mean, Brock Lesnar, I mean, again, where's he sitting knowing that you have Dean Ambrose is going up against the you know, triple H. And I mean, I tell you what, Dean Ambrose really stood his ground. I was, he really put on a great performance. Uh, same thing with Triple H. I mean, they they tore the house down. That main event was spectacular. But as far as pushing the storyline along, it didn't. It did nothing. I mean, it was just insane, disgusting filler for the most part. It was an episode of Monday Night Raw. The whole roadblock thing was. So nothing really great happened, and nothing of anything I could really say. Was it really that exciting about it? I mean, it's just, you know, you had a Sami Zayn Stardust. That was a decent match. You know, Brock Lesnar, eh, again, he had no business really being a part of that show. There's nothing at all. As a whole, Chris, it was it was a throwaway in-your-house pay-per-view, if I can go that way out. It was just nothing really there. There was no substance to it. And it's, it was just matches thrown together to kind of keep people excited for WrestleMania. They could have done without it. I mean, just air another extra Monday Night Raw. They want to start doing that. Roadblock was a disgrace, and it was just you know there was decent matches, but for the most part, it, it did nothing to expand the experience of WrestleMania, the road to WrestleMania. Adam, was this just a, a, a nouveau Saturday Night's main event? Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, I don't know if I would call it a disgrace. It was it was clearly a live event before they even planned this as a special on the network. So the the content you were getting already was was not really scheduled to be seeing millions and millions of eyeballs. I mean, it was just a it was just supposed to be a run in the mill you know house show live event. And uh, we we saw the same thing when they they held the the show in Japan um, with Brock Lesnar on that card. The same thing when they did the show from. Madison Square Garden. I mean, these are not shows intended to be, uh, you know, storyline progression. I mean, the the biggest aspect of the show that they built was was the main event, which I thought they did an excellent job of building up. I thought they did a really really good job of delivering, because um, to me that's that's the, the 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 basis of these shows. It's not really, you know, who faced who and and did any storyline. To me, it's the, the the basis of the show was booking that Triple H Dean Ambrose main event and they did a really good job. Um I was I was pleasantly surprised at actually how well that came together and I guess going into it <clears throat> I wasn't really watching it like I was watching a uh, a pay-per-view. I just it was it was already an event that was on the on the calendar and then they just happened to boost it to a level where you could watch it on the network. So I didn't I didn't have any problems with it at all. I actually thought it was it was kind of a good show, it was a fun show. I thought it was a solid show, um, and, and the thing is, I wasn't expecting too much from it. I, you know, it's one of those things that once you put something in front of a TV to these type of fans, you know, there's a level of expectation. And I believe that the WWE has 
continuously dropped the ball on. And I understand that it is, you know, it's a live event, and I get that, and I do understand, you know, and I think that there's some validity to that point. Um, there, there shouldn't have been much expectation because, like you said, it's booked as a live event. So, I mean, that's really it's a house show, so to speak. But here's the thing: once you put cameras in there and you spend that money on production value, I think there, I think there's some, there could have been something that could have led us into Raw at least, you know, some type of cliffhanger, something that led us because, you know, it's a network special. Basically, the network is showing house shows. Basically, I mean, it's this really what it boils down to. But even when it comes to that, I still think that there's something that should leave us kind of wetter appetites leading into the next event. And Roadblock, it, it gave us a solid show, yes, but it still it still wasn't much storyline development. And it kind of, to me, it kind of threw a wrench to the the flow of the storylines that should lead to WrestleMania. Um, because at this point, you know, you have – you know, less than three weeks leading into WrestleMania, and and a couple of those storylines were completely different than what we're going to see at WrestleMania. They didn't really good, do a good job tying them together on Raw, too. So let's just go through the uh, matches here. We got the New Day defeating Le- League of Nations. I will say that this was one storyline that they did a good job tying over. My thing is, Derek. I, for for New Day to be such dominant heels and have such amazing heat, simply doing a promo to kind of gain steam as a babyface, and it wasn't they weren't really pandering so much. They were doing kind of their 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 same stick. It, it was the same song and dance. It was, it was the same stick. It was the same thing that gave, that got them heat. How does that all of a sudden miraculously give them uh, pops? It, it seemed like they should have done something different. Yeah, they went against the League of Nations, but how does that change them from being baby faces of heels just because they fought a heel team? It just seems like it was a different – it seemed like it was kind of a weird shift for us to just believe that they were baby faces all of a sudden. How, how did this go to you as far as their transition and, and uh, defeating the League of Nations – the match was good to me, I believe, uh, but it was just a weird type of transition in trying to get people to uh, to, to cheer the New Day. What, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, to me, I mean, the New Day has probably been – they've been a face team for a while now. I mean, the people love them. I mean, they bring people into the seats and enjoy the show. And so, yeah, of course, they go against League of Nations, who's considered the heel team. It's, they've been a shade of gray. However, I mean, it's just kind of solidified the fact that, you know, the New Day, people love, people want to cheer them. They're funny. They're comical. I, just, I hated them first. You've always been a New Day, New Day guy. So, I mean, to me, it didn't really – there was really no shift for myself personally because I've mm-hmm. always – I've adapted to them. I've liked them. And uh, this just kind of – I don't really think there is – all of a sudden they're a face team now because they've been a face team for the long time because people cheered them. People have liked them and wanted to see them. They buy their merchandise, the unicorn, the trombone, and all that stuff keeps going on. So, to me, the New Day have been what they have been for the past you know, few months now. And so, I mean, against it was a great match last night, League of Nations. 
put up a great show and new day just really they're bringing it all in tenfold i mean they're if anything they just solidified themselves as a, a solid core solid unit they needed to be and they have been for a while but i can i guess you know in the eyes of the average wrestling fan this was a, a baby face turn which i don't really think so they've been that way for a while now but how how did the shift go to you adam as far as them cutting a promo at Roblox, and then all of a sudden we're just supposed to believe their default baby faces. Well, I, I don't, I don't know if they really um, are are even considered baby faces. I mean, they're they're a team that just kind of started to get a reaction off the crowd. And I was just at a live event uh, two weeks ago, and I mean, there was just a ton of people walking around with New Day T-shirts on and the unicorn horns and. They're yeah. they're just they're a team that obviously started as one way. It didn't really get much of a reaction at all. It, it kind of flopped actually. There was a lot of confusion about it, and then it just you know it kind of changed into this you know entertaining comedy act in, in the mid card, and then eventually it, it transitioned to the tag team stuff. And I it just you know it's uh, I, I I honestly didn't even see it that way. To, to be really honest with you, I I just saw them as continuing to do the same act they've been doing for a couple months now. Um, I guess. Technically, you could consider them babyface just because of the crowd reactions they're getting, but they're not acting like babyfaces. They're still doing heel stuff and matches and, you know, being goofy and doing what they do. So I didn't really see much of that at all. Mm. Speaking of doing heel things and matches, we have someone by the name of Chris Jericho who deliberately does it now to, to draw some heat. But, Adam, how does it make sense? For you to be in Toronto and you cut you, you cut heat on Toronto, you know we've. I'm a Jericho guy. I mean, 207 episodes of this show, and if you've you know if anybody's listened to at least half of it, they would know that Jericho's one of my all-time favorite top five. But you know, I've also been highly critical on his career as a whole, as far as these you know big show style baby face and heel turns and not really putting someone over because he him not having a strong enough record to be able to count a loss as something major. Uh, but now, you know, he's back to his heel stuff. And, you know, of course he does a really good job drawing heat. He's always, he's always done a good job drawing heat, but how does it make sense from a writing standpoint, Adam, for Jericho to draw heat in Toronto and then it gets interrupted by the most patriotic wrestler, American wrestler, on the show, chanting "We the People" in Canada. How, can you please explain to me how that makes sense? Uh, because Jack Swagger was available, and they needed somebody to face Chris Jericho at a live event. I mean, that's really. Uh, I mean, there was another show taking place at the same time, so right, I, I was at a house yeah. show two weeks ago, and Jack Swagger teamed up with uh, Darren Young. It was completely random. Mm. Um, it's just it's just kind of how the the card felt that that day, and it was a little weird. I'll give you that for him to be out there, um, and he did a really good job of of you know getting the heel heat and denouncing Canada and talking about AJ Styles and his promo a couple of days prior on SmackDown was really really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I give you that it was weird because you're in you're in Toronto and you have Jack Swagger, the All American American, coming out and. He hasn't really been doing anything at all. He's just been kind of continuing the same act, you know, for the last two years now. So it, it was weird. But, again, this was this was a show that really wasn't meant to be seen by millions of people. It was just supposed to be a live event. So had the cameras not been there and 
this, this is what you would have gotten anyway. It's just because that's how it how it was supposed to line up. But how do you argue that to you know from from a WWE standpoint, if their goal is to get subs, like you know they're they have so many WWE Network exclusive shows for the purposes of getting subs, even to the point of having WrestleMania for free this year, which is a big deal. And so well, you're, for, you're gaining for new you're, subscribers. It's free. It's not free in general, but yeah. Right, right, right. right. What I'm saying, the, the gaining new subs. That, that, that's the point of gaining new subs. They're so into gaining new subscriptions that WrestleMania is free. You know, and, and so it, so with that argument, they they put a live production new you know camera this isn't this is more than a live event this is a glorified live event and it just doesn't make any sense even if it was even if there were no cameras how does it make sense Derek for Jack Swagger to come out to (laughs) a pandering heel magnet Jericho in Canada and if you know we date this podcast 20 years ago you know, it, it's a running it's it's a running competition. It's running animosity from Bret Hart. You know, twenty years ago, that Canada and the United States are an enmity in one, of one another. So, from a you know from a, from a storyline standpoint, so to speak. So, how does it make sense for you know the, the all American American patriot to come out, even if there weren't cameras? to come out and say we the people to can it was just so weird to me from even from a writing standpoint cameras or no cameras how would you explain that Derek well it's just bad booking it's bad writing i mean there's canada i mean i guess swagger's the patriotic jobber and i mean even to have him be in the same ring with chris jerica is kind of a slide against everything i mean y2j he's obviously canadian took place in toronto I'm the same with you guys. Why would you have Jack Swagger, who we haven't seen forever, come out and in Canada shouting, we the people, what do Canadians have anything to do with that? They have nothing to do with that. They don't even care. Well, I mean, what would be the single point? Who wrote that in there, and why are they not fired? It is even If that was Chris Jericho, I'd just be cracking up the whole time. I don't know how he could keep a straight face. Just for the most part, I mean, Swagger, he's a chicken with his head cut off. He's just going all over the place and just – Nobody knows what to do with this guy. They just need to pluck his feathers and fry him. He's done. He's got nothing else to prove or nothing else to do in the WWE because nobody cares. And it was just the wrong place at the wrong time on the wrong event against the wrong person. I mean, mm-hmm. plain and simple. Yeah. Trivia question uh, for the live listeners. What year did Randy Savage leave the WWE? What year did Randy Savage leave the WWE? Adam, I might throw some trivia questions your way, man, just to initiate you. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's trivia, so that'll be fun, man. Yeah. Um, Don't answer yeah. too quick. Chris will get mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I got a buzzer and a uh, and a and a ding, a right answer uh, waiting. So, but yeah, okay. So Adam, if I if you were if you were applying for a booking job in the in the WWE and, and they basically. So okay, well here's here's the deal. Part of your hiring process, I'm going to give you one person, and you need to write me uh, a a a one year, uh, I would say six month booking 
you know, script for this person to gain support within the next six months and they tell you the person is Jack Swagger, how would you do that? You're going to have to do a lot of rehabilitation, first of all, because he was a character that um, initially came in as a heel. I thought had tremendous upside when he was doing the, the goofy heel stuff on SmackDown with the, the, the soaring eagle. I, I thought that stuff was great. That was some of the best writing that they had done for his character um, to date, it, just because it, it, it finally gave him something to play off of. Because he had, you know, we're, we're kind of used to seeing, you know, a lot of people were immediately comparing him to Kurt Angle with the same, you know, kind of, you know, uh, amateur wrestling background and the same kind of, you know, wrestling types and the all-American American stuff. But when they finally put him with that Soaring Eagle stuff, that kind of gave him a little bit of a personality, which I don't know, he's he's obviously not somebody that you would um, you would jump to and want to cut a, you know, 10, 15-minute promo. But if you can mask some of that stuff and enhance it with, you know, uh, a mascot, which is which was hilarious, I loved that stuff. And then the addition of Zeb Coulter with, with Dutch Mantel, I thought was a really good touch. The problem is, is that that got cold pretty fast and he just kind of was pushed to the wayside. And there was even that little slight resurgence with him doing stuff with Del Rio and the Del Rio Zeb Coulter thing completely, you know, fell apart in a matter of weeks. Um, even yeah. though I, I did understand what they were attempting to do with that, that was a little confusing, but, with Swagger, you you, ha- you almost need some kind of an addition to his presentation. Him alone, you can you can you know film video packages of him training and doing amateur wrestling and you know his credentials and stuff. But you got to make something interesting about his character. And unfortunately, he's a guy where you need something, you know, uh, like like a mascot or a manager or something like that to kind of enhance his his presentation. Because without that, it's a little bit it's a little bland. I mean, we saw what happened when he, he got a brief run with, uh, with the title. It just, it just wasn't, uh, I think there was a lot of people that were very high on him, but he also was under a tremendous amount of pressure. Um, Chris Jericho talked about it in his, his third book about that decision for him to lose to swagger and him going, are you, are you ready for this? And Vince McMahon kind of went, Ooh, that was a little harsh, you know, to, <laughs> to say to Jack mm-hmm. swagger, but, um, he's a guy that's going to need a lot of rehabilitation and he's going to need something. If you're going to build him up over the course of six months, you got to, you got to find a good dance partner, maybe two, maybe three, somebody on the roster that he could definitely work with and develop with. I, I don't know, based off your question, if that end game puts him back, you know, it, you know, in a main event scenario where he would maybe headline a couple of shows, but he's somebody that unfortunately is just kind of the victim of, of, you know, pretty creative writing, but no end game. And that happens yeah. to a lot of guys on that roster. Absolutely. Well said. And I think that, you know, uh, damage goods is an understatement at this point. And, uh, you know, who would who would the first person be in this quest, in the six month quest of making him a, a name again? Who would the first person be that you would put him in the program with? Probably Kevin Owens. Um, he's hmm. somebody that demands and seems to work really well with a lot of guys. I and mean, I'm, I'm, I, I was I was very skeptical of how uh, how Kevin Owens was going to do in this company, and uh, he obviously had a lot of potential uh, on the indie scene. But there's a lot of guys that have that potential on the indie scene, and once they get their opportunity on the main event scene, uh, it it just doesn't. Sometimes it just doesn't pan out, and mm-hmm. I'm I've been very surprised, uh, genuinely surprised at how well he's adapted to 
the WWE presentation of wrestling and just kind of commanding your attention. So he's definitely somebody that I would, I, if I had a bulletin board and you had to write down a couple names, he's the first name I write down. I don't know if I would start immediately with him, but he's definitely somebody that would be in the mix just because of, of the kind of attention that he demands. And, you know, you, you're, you're generally going to be focusing on, on guys that are heel acts. So, mm-hmm. you know, even a guy like the Miz, I think would, would be fine. You know, you, you just, you, you have to take your time. Obviously you don't want to rush through it, but, Definitely, definitely Kevin Owens. He would be somebody I would definitely uh, target. Yeah, I think that's a good name. Derek, what do you think of in this quest? You know, we've we've got Ryback and Kalisto all but confirmed for WrestleMania. Uh, What about Ryback winning the U.S. championship, you know, going through just a path of destruction? And here you go. Here's Jack Swagger, you know, towards the summit, giving him some competition. Swagger right back at SummerSlam? How's that sound to you, Derek? Uh, it just doesn't sound believable. I mean, I don't think at this point Paul Heyman could even save Jack Swagger. I mean, Swagger's going up against uh, Rusev and Del Rio, you know, your foreigners or whatever you want to call them. It just does not work. And it, Swagger's just, he's a lame duck. I don't really think there's anything you could really do with Jack Swagger. Uh, with him against Ryback, I mean, Ryback, he's another one that you just, they've tried so hard to make him somebody. And it's just when he's almost there, he just kind of falls off and falls down and nobody really cares about him. I mean, Swagger's got the talent. He can do it. He can carry it, but it's just the booking and just behind him. He just looks like a deer in headlights. And the thing about it is if you could put him in there with anybody and it would would just be almost an abomination. I hate to say that, but there's, I agree with the part that you, he needs somebody. He needs something there with him. And it, it, uh, Dutch Mantel wasn't good enough for it. He just couldn't cut the mustard. And like I said, even Paul Heyman wouldn't be able to do Jack squat for Jack Swagger. So <laughs> the whole nice Ryback and Swagger, yeah. So it just wouldn't – I just don't really see Swagger doing much of anything. I don't. I think he's fallen so much that nobody could really get behind him in the WWE universe. And the, the rehabilitation for that guy would take – years i mean he's been he's probably got maybe another good you know five ten years in at that at best so for the most part i mean yeah you could put that against ryback ryback would obviously win that'd be an easy win an easy feud for ryback ryback needs a little more competition but the thing is i mean this swagger i think he's just kind of lost all the ammo that he could ever get and it's again you just you forget about swagger until you see him pop up all of a sudden yeah, he gets yeah. a big pop just for the fact that people forget about him. Oh, here he is again. When's he leaving so we can get on with the next match? Right. So, yeah, I wouldn't be behind that. Right back SummerSlam, I just think it'd be a throwaway. It, that's something to be on main event, you know, no big deal. We'll see. I mean, if the build was if the build was right, I think people can get behind Swagger. But, yeah, I think he needs a mouthpiece, like you were saying, Adam. Uh, Coulter was a good mouthpiece for him, but uh, I don't know. Uh, good job. Great. 1994 is the correct answer. Uh, who was the first TNA World Heavyweight Champion? Who was the first TNA World Heavyweight Champion? So, Adam, the revival against Enzo and Cass. They did this in London. The revival won, kept their championship in December. Why would they do it again with the same outcome? It just seems like Enzo and Cass would have made sense to finally win the big one there. I mean, they're the most pop. They won the award. I mean, <laughs> tag team of the year last year in NXT, 
and they still have not won the tag team championships. And, you know, people say call up, but it seems like the New Day is going, you know, the babyface route. How does how does this work? How, you know, they they don't win the tag team championships. They lose against the Revival. So it makes sense for them to build some type of steam, even if it was just a one month or one season, you know, since NXT stuff is taped weeks in, weeks in advance. So you got a one or two month or from special to special reign from, you know, you had roadblock and then, you know, Dallas uh, is, is the next special. So it, it even if it was, even if the rain was from roadblock to Dallas, it, it seems like having some type of title rain would be good in the, you know, it would be a good notch in the belt of Enzo and Cass leading to their potential call up. How does this, how does this work out for you as far as them still not winning, them setting up a rematch from London, them still not winning, but a potential call up is coming up. You know, to feud with the New Day, which was rumored, but they're making a babyface turn. How do they fit in now? It's, that's a very good question. I mean, I mean, if, if they are going to get a call up, it, it makes sense the the decision they went with on Saturday in Toronto. I, I was pretty surprised by that too. I kind of thought they were going to just at least give it a shot and see how it was going to go. Um, you know, we we do have that uh, that upcoming special in Dallas in a few weeks, and I don't know. I don't think they've officially announced any tag team matches yet or tag team no. title matches rather for that. So maybe they, you know, they could do a big cluster match uh, involving those guys. Maybe they wanted to hold it off until WrestleMania weekend to give uh, Enzo and Cass a run with the titles or, or maybe kind of what you were talking about. Maybe they're preparing to uh, phase those guys off the brand and, and bring them to the main roster. But um, I mean, either way, they're a very entertaining tag team. I mean, it's, it is, it, it's one of the most interesting aspects I think of the, the, the network exposure and that NXT is a show that is not on television every week. It, it, I mean, you can obviously catch the show live or on demand on the network, but it is pretty amazing that, you know, it, it's a show built around people on the main roster with WWE and then a theme song hits from a, from an NXT tag team and the crowd just goes completely mm-hmm. nuts in Toronto. So it is, it is always very interesting for me to watch those guys kind of get brought into the WWE environment. It's the same company. It's the same umbrella. But, you know, NXT tends to cater to an audience of, you know, pretty snarky wrestling fans. And it's it's interesting that they can still make that crossover, um, you know, to a WWE kind of branded live event and still get the same kind of reaction, um, you know, on the same card. But I think they're a good tag team. I, I'd like to see more of Dash and Dawson. I'm I'm not totally blown away by their presentation. I think that there's a little bit of lacking there. I mean, I think the in-ring stuff obviously works. It has that kind of old school flavor, but you know, the theme song seems way off. Uh, the, their presentation leaves a lot to be desired. I'd like to see, you know, a little more personality from those guys. And a lot of people on the internet just seem to be so blown away by these revival guys. And I'm just kind of like, eh, they're, they're okay. They're not terrible, but I'm not completely Enzo and Cass just seem on another level in terms of presentation. And, um, it, it it would be interesting if they got the call up uh, after WrestleMania, and, it, and they could be doing that. So we don't know. We'll have to find out and see. Yeah, I like the revival. I mean, I, I like Enzo and Cass much more, but I like the revival. To me, I mean, I'm a traditionalist. I love old school wrestling. So to me, I mean, they're just they're the 
the, the closest thing that you can get to RNLE, Minnesota Wrecking Crew. So I think that that was kind of the the aim for that, just for them to be kind of a, you know, no-nonsense, you know, uh, not very colorful, you know, uh, heel tag team. And I think that that works. I definitely will agree with you with the charisma factor, though. I, even the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, they were just really rugged and like, you know, Ole had that look where, I mean, he would give you a knee, and, you know, a striking knee, and, you know, and he had that promo ability that you wouldn't want to, you know, be 10 feet, you know, close to him. Dash and Dawson are smaller guys, so even with that, there's not – there's not kind of a there's not really a girth so to speak that Ole had, but you know it's it's close enough. It's you know it's thirty years into you know thirty years later Minnesota Wrecking Crew type of feel. I'm not opposed to it, but I agree with you though. I, I think the charisma is lacking. Um, the the music is interesting. You know, go hard all day, all night. You know, it's just it's it's a little it's a little cheesy, but. And then the and then the revival. I don't even. know. I mean, what are they reviving? Are they reviving like old school, traditional looking wrestling? I don't even know what they're reviving. But I mean, I'd imagine. I mean, you you report it all the time on your on your site. I'd imagine you're a weekly NXT watcher. Did they ever explain that? As far as I know, they did kind of like a they kind of like eased it in. I think uh, Phillips and Graves kind of eased the name in. But did they really give any explanation of where the revival came from? If they did, I didn't see it. And I'd, I'd like to see some more video packages or just, just simple stuff to kind of introduce people. Because I, I think there's this, this other element that, you know, a lot of wrestling fans that are, that are really, you know, uh, snarky and read the internet every day just assume that everybody's watching NXT. So they, they just, oh, you should just know everything about Dosh and Dasson. And, you know, I, I think they need to do a, a good job of making these characters – as clear as possible. And I, yeah. I'm, I'm totally in the same boat with you where I'm, I'm not really sure. I mean, obviously we, we got those old school feelings by watching them. And, and that's the first thing that, that, you know, hit my mind when I first saw them as a tag team. But, you know, I was kind of hoping by this point, we would have developed a little bit more with those guys, especially the fact that they're the, the tag team champions of that brand. But I don't know. It just, there just seems like they could be doing just a little bit more with those guys presentation wise to kind of, so we can at least understand what they're attempting to accomplish and not just be like, Oh, we're just being old school wrestlers and you should, you should yeah. like that. And then of end of story, it's just kind of strange. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Kurt Angle is the correct answer. Great job. What WrestleMania did Randy Savage win his second WWE world title and who did he beat? Adam. Oh God. I knew you were going to come to me with that one too. I, I knew the, <laughs> the answer to the first two. I was like, I'm going to totally bomb the, the third one. So it was, which it was Randy's second reign. Yeah, when his second, yep, his second reign. Which WrestleMania he won his second WWE World Heavyweight Championship, and who did he beat? Oh man, um, trying to go back to. I remember his. I remember his first reign pretty well, um, which was like in the late '80s, if I'm not mistaken. And his second, oh, I want to say. I want to say Ric Flair. What WrestleMania? But I could. Oh, uh, 
it was the WrestleMania in Indianapolis, I think, at the Hoosier, at the Hoosier Dome, wasn't it? What number? Oh, I'm trying to remember. What, what color were the ring robes? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I, I actually don't remember what color the ring robes were. I know. I'm pretty sure it was Flair. Am I right about Flair? Yes, it was Flair. Yes. Okay, it was Flair. Oh, it was, was it Flair. was it WrestleMania nine? Mm. Oh, Derek, okay. I don't remember. No, oh, WrestleMania eight at the Hoosier Dome. Okay, okay. That's <laughs> right. I got the location right. I got the person right. I just didn't get the WrestleMania right. I stink. Yeah, yeah. Close enough though. Good stuff. All right, so Derek, uh, Charlotte and Natalia. I thought that this was an amazing match. I, I really liked it. I think it was a good. I actually liked this. There was there was nothing about this that I didn't like, to be honest with you. Um, I think it was a really, really good job to draw heat for Charlotte because she needs it because uh, she's just caught in this conundrum of just – to me, I think Charlotte's just kind of getting the X-Pac heat almost to the, almost to the point of that. Like people aren't really – from what I've seen and what I've read and what I've, uh, you know, observed, people aren't really into Charlotte too much. You know, because I think maybe she's getting overshadowed by Rick. And, of course, Rick gets all the woos, which is counterproductive because Charlotte's trying to draw heat. And I think that this did a really good job having Charlotte draw heat because, you know, Toronto, Canada, Natalia, Hart family. And, you know, she goes against Natalia in Toronto, her home country. You know, Natalia gets all the pops and all the support you know, a, a cheap win, and she draws a lot of heat. So I think that this is well booked. What do you think? I thought it was fantastic, actually. I mean, if for a Divas match, I mean, we talk about the Divas all the time. But with Charlotte, yeah, again, I like that X-Pac heat. Yeah, that's exactly right. As people are just disliking her for the fact that they're tired of her, and she's been pushed down our throats. And I love Ric Flair more than anything. However, he's doing nothing but bringing Charlotte down. He needs to stop coming out with her. Natalia being there, I mean, these are two divas I can really throw down. And I I'm, I can almost see the divas division coming out of this diva pretty girl thing and really start being what they used to be back in the 90s and stuff. Just really put on a good match. Charlotte has a heat that she's got from that match for from her own self. You know, Ric Flair wants to always steal the spotlight, evidently. And, you know, shame on him for that. But Natalia, I mean, she just really – it was such a perfect pairing. You could see these two throw down every night for a month, and it would, it would be amazing. And, uh, you know, that's one thing that Roadblock did have to offer is it really brought Charlotte a little more a little more heat than, uh, than what she had. And it also made Natalia look like, you know, the hometown princess. But Natalia mm-hmm. is no princess, let me tell you that. I mean, <laughs> she is one tough diva that can really – Again, both of them together it was absolutely phenomenal, and it was a great match. And again, it's almost—I want to say that the divas is coming out of their prissy, pretty girl phase, and they're going to actually start throwing down. You got the right pieces together, Vince. Just get this booking right with them, and no more this. <laughs> we don't need that anymore. It's done. Make them grunt, make them groan, make them throw solid punches and not slap. I mean, because that's what you got out of this match. It was. The match itself was just phenomenal, and it was great, and both of them went back and forth, and you couldn't ask for more, honestly. You could not ask for a better Divas match. 
Adam, so basically what Derek is saying is no Ashley Mazzaro versus Candice Michelle. <laughs> yeah, we're, we've come a long way from those days, <laughs> I think. And I mean, there, there were a lot of girls in that era that, you know, were hired for their looks that actually turned into pretty good in-ring talent. But mm-hmm. um, it, it took it took a long it took a long time. I think that was the problem was. The, the development time it took with signing girls that were bikini models to try to make them into wrestlers. I mean, the turnaround just took a really long time. So mm-hmm. the NXT system has really improved on that. And you've seen that with, with talent like Charlotte and Sasha Banks and uh, Becky Lynch. And then, you know, I'm hoping after WrestleMania, we get a Bailey call up cause she's, you know, the female John Cena. I mean, she's just Absolutely. perfect for the main roster. Um, yeah. But but as far as, you know, Charlotte and, and, and Natalia goes, I thought they had a really good match. Um I I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna be the opposite feeling in that I really think that the pairing of Charlotte with, with her father at ringside has actually helped her presentation. I, I was so annoyed with Charlotte's in ring uh stuff when she first was brought to the main roster. She was really overselling um, it was borderline distracting during matches when she would she would be selling things but just so over the top. And I, I've really actually enjoyed her presentation better as a heel. I mean, there were some things that they did do really well um, when she was, you know, rolling as a babyface for a while. Um, I think back to when Michael Cole interviewed her when she was first getting her, her first title shot. And when she was just being real and wasn't really trying to play a character, I thought that actually did come off pretty well. But it really didn't click with the audience and she's finally connecting with the audience as a heel. And I, I saw this up close a few weeks ago at a live event. She had a match with, uh, with Becky Lynch and it's, it, and Flair wasn't even out there. Flair wasn't at the show and she was still commanding attention. So I think, you know, this heel run has given her a real sense of confidence and, and a way, a way better presentation. I just did not like her babyface presentation on the main roster at all. So if anything, I know I know some people will view Rick as as a, as a distraction, you know, at ringside. But if anything, he's really helped her presentation. Doesn't mean he's going to be there for the rest of her career, but for now, this this works and it makes sense. And I thought, you know, playing off the flare, you know, heart family tension was good. And um, mm-hmm. I, I just I thought they actually they really surprised me at, at, at how good of a match they were able to uh, to put together. Yeah, I I think I see where you're I see where I see that I get it. But to me, I just think that Charlotte and I don't know if you watched the table for three uh, when she was talking about how she just wants to be away from the whole Ric Flair shadow. And I see why, you know, Ric Flair is a heat magnet. He's a pop magnet. He's a Ric Flair. So, you know, trying to develop Charlotte into her own person, it's really tough. Not only because you're a flair, but because you have Ric Flair with you, so he's getting a lot of the uh, he's getting a lot of the heat. But I, I, I do get on your on your end what you're saying as far as the presentation. I do agree with that because you know you get the Ric Flair, you know uh, the whole tripping thing. You know when the person's going, you know or. You know, going across the ropes or going to the ropes, he trips and just really heelish things and getting on the ropes and, you know, just kind of flailing around and typical Ric Flair stuff. So I get that. And it and it adds to the heat, you know, when she does a roll up and pull the tights, which I which I think is really good. 
But it's just one of those things that I mean, I really like Charlotte. Her heel run in NXT was really good, uh, and you know, she Flair wasn't with her, uh, with the exception of like special you know events with you know uh, her and Natalia, for instance. It was Flair and Flair in the corner and Bret Hart and, and Natalia's corner. But you know, I think Charlotte, I think Charlotte needs to be a standalone babyface. Maybe Flair with her now is good because it'll kind of push her to kind of be a standalone heel, rather. But I don't know. I, I just I'm to the point where I'm looking for Charlotte to do something on her own. So hopefully we'll get that. So Derek. It makes sense that it makes sense that Bray Wyatt it didn't have any interaction because there's you know talks that they still want to do this program with him and Brock Lesnar uh, leading into SummerSlam. First of all, I just don't. I'm I'm such a traditional thinker when it comes to pro wrestling. You know, it's it's to me it's it's a it's a rendition. Of a comic book store, and I've said this many times on the show before. You know, you have uh, you have you have Batman, you have Superman, you know, and then you have uh, the Green Goblin and the Joker. You know, so it's 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 the hero and the villain. It's 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 the build where the hero overcomes the odds and finally gets to the point where he overcomes the villain. But if you have the Joker and the Green Goblin going against each other, Batman and Superman, you're you know it kind of leaves you struck out in your head. Like who do I cheer for or who do I disagree with more? It's just weird when you have someone who you're trying to build heat with this Ambrose thing, and then you have Bray Wyatt who just can't keep he he, he just can't keep heat, you know, if his life depending on it, and. It just doesn't make sense. What? How? Who am I cheering for? Who, who's who's the heel? Who's the face? Who's? It's just really weird that they would do this Lesnar Harper thing, kind of tying into the Wyatt thing, right in the middle of the Ambrose thing, which are trying to build pops for Ambrose to put him over. It, it's just a really weird conundrum. I, what type of sense do you make out of out of all this, and especially the match between Brock and, and Luke Harper? Uh, the match was nonsense. I mean, really, it just it, there's nothing to it. I mean, what it lasted maybe a whole five minutes at that. I mean, just going into it, you knew there was nothing that there was no story here to be told. There was no backstory behind it. There was nothing. And again, it's the whole thing that I don't understand about Roadblock is this: Dean Ambrose should be locked on to Lesnar, and Lesnar should be locked on to Ambrose. They had to have. have Lesnar do something, have to fight something, try to make something because Ambrose was evidently he's getting all the pomp and circumstances for going up against, you know, the champion. Mm-hmm. So they had to do something with Brock Lesnar to make him still look like he's a legitimate contender for the to go up against Ambrose. And so they threw this garbage together. Bray Wyatt didn't do anything throughout the whole match. Luke Harper got his butt handed to him. And it was just it was there was, I mean, it was, that was probably the lowest point of roadblock was just that match. And it, again, it made no sense. It was almost, you know, it was another swagger and Jericho thing. I mean, this was just an absolute flop. They didn't know what else to do with them, either one of them. I mean, Lesnar should probably just stayed home because, I mean, there was really no point of him being there. There was no point of him against Luke Harper. Are you kidding me? Yeah, Luke Harper, he's a great contender, but not against Brock Lesnar. It makes no sense. Bray Wyatt just throw himself in there like that. There's, 
it was just, it was, I say this a lot. It was an abomination. There was nothing to it. And it was the lowest point of the whole live, you know, quote unquote pay-per-view, whatever they want to call it. Yeah. It was disgraced. And I actually just, I watched it and was like, what is this? Brock Lesnar just should have stayed home. He did not need to be there for that. I mean, he wasted his time and everybody else had to watch it. Yeah. How, how do you throw logic in that, Adam? I mean, the, the funny part was they had something to play off of, and it, it, I honestly forgot that the Wyatts eliminated Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble. It had been so long. Wow. Um, it, that That's the one issue with watching wrestling, is that it's such a weekly business mm-hmm. that you start to just forget about stuff that happened a couple months ago. So I kind of had that, as the video package was rolling, I went, oh, yeah, they, they did throw him out <laughs> yeah. at the Royal Rumble, and they kind of never came back to that. So. From a, from a logic standpoint, it made sense to book this match, but why we waited till March to get this going was a little silly. Um, it was, again, I, I, I it, it felt like they were forced to do something because Rock had been booked for this event even before they announced this roadblock show, so they mm-hmm. obviously had to do something with him at the show. I, I guess, to me, when Brock Lesnar is on a show, it's a big deal, and it still is a big deal, and he's honestly the only person on that roster that when he walks out, I actually buy in to his, his aura and his, his presentation. I mean, he just, he outshines everybody on that roster. I mean, it's, it's amazing to me how one guy can come back after being gone for so long and just completely outshine everybody. And he did it again on Saturday in Toronto. I mean, when he walks out, the crowd just kind of goes like, like they just, he has (laughs) all struck to him. They, they do exactly. They get awestruck. They're they're counting along with the German suplexes that he's doing with Luke Harper. So, I I guess I'm going to disagree. I don't think this was the low point of the show because the crowd was into everything. There obviously there was some logic gaps there. They had booked it as Lesnar versus Bray Wyatt, and then they kind of just slipped in on a commentary. Oh, by the way, this is a handicap match, and Luke Harper's here now. So that was a little silly. Um, but I I thought it was fine. I mean, I just. I, I didn't hate the segment, but I, I totally understand somebody going, you know, this this is a little weird that we're just now getting to this situation in March when it happened in, in late January. Yeah, and I agree with you as far as just, you know, Lesnar just being just a, a character of his own and just no one to be compared to. But, again, it's just one of those things that I'm – you know, I've, I've watched pro wrestling for – all of my life, you know, and it's one of those things that I, I'm looking for the story. I'm looking for the build. I'm looking for who's going to draw the heat, who's going to get the pops. How are they taking me through the journey of this story? I'm not watching wrestling surely for wrestling matches. Now, granted, I, I absolutely love ROH. I love NXT. I love Japanese wrestling, but I'm not watching wrestling for that solely more than that. I'm watching wrestling because it's a, you know, I used to call it a male soap opera and it's, and it really is that like, if I wanted to watch and I like MMA, if I, if I wanted to watch something real and just didn't care about a story, I can just watch UFC, you know, I can watch Diaz and McGregor, you know, and it's like, I'm I'm not I'm watching wrestling because of the build, because of the story, because of the character development, because of the storyline uh journey. And if someone you have an asset there, you have an entity there named Brock Lesnar, 
the best and the biggest asset that you have in the WWE who can draw heat. I mean, he, he you know, he's he he makes people all struck, but at the same time, you know, he has a mouthpiece in Heyman who can just you know, in the snap of a finger can draw heat. And I think this should have been the best way to build more heat between him. I mean, just not even him. You, he didn't have to have anything to do with Ambrose. Ideally, I would have had Brock Lesnar go against Dolph Ziggler. I think that would have been perfect. I think Dolph Ziggler draws enough pops. He's a uh, he, he's a spirited competitor who has the backing of the audience, who has enough pops that if he keeps getting suplexed and Brock Lesnar taunts it, I think that that would draw enough heat to Lesnar. Even if they did a segment where, you know, you have uh, Stephanie McMahon, you know, saying, well, you know, uh, some stupid tweet or whatever, or kind of still rolling with that, you know, you're still doing that. Because of that, you're going to go against Brock Lesnar tonight. So then you have the underdog pop that people are going to rally behind them. Can he beat the beast? And Brock Lesnar is that person that would just suplex him, you know, <laughs> into oblivion, but he's getting heat. And I think that that would have been ideal instead of just some random Luke Harper match. And they're trying to throw that's the reason why I think it's just more than it's more than uh, a simple live event because you had video packages reminding us why we should care about this match. And you, who owns a website, you know, a very popular website, you forgot that they went against each other. I mean, that, that you know, he eliminated him from the Royal Rumble two months ago. So if someone like you, you know, would forget that, just think about a casual fan. If you're trying to expand the product in more than just your niche, you know, one million, you know, subscribers, if you're really trying to expand this thing and you have faithfuls forgetting – uh, it's not really a good uh, sign for, for any of the casuals. So uh, next we have Sami Zayn and Stardust. Uh, yeah, I, I don't really think there's much talking to this. Uh, and then Triple H and Ambrose. You, uh, Adam, you talked about you talked about the match. Derek, what are your thoughts on the match? Uh, my thoughts on the match. Again, I thought you know Ambrose came to the table and he totally performed and you know it could have gone either way at any time. And obviously, you know, we saw Ambrose's foot was on. And so he didn't win. Boo-hoo. Oh, we knew that Ambrose wasn't going to win going into it. I mean, it's just obvious. But, uh, I mean, just for the most part, this, the match was it was a phenomenal showcase. It was a great ending to the roadblock. And it, it just showed that, you know, Ambrose has this, you know, loose cannon thing going and all that. But he's got the people in his pocket. He's got the crowd right there. They love him. They want to see him continue his process his journey whatever it is and uh, and that's great i mean he did absolutely wonderful triple weight stood his ground as well he's still the same old game i mean it just they just went back and forth and did phenomenal phenomenal test of fortitude for both of them so i mean all in all the main event of roadblock made that whole pay-per-view and again everyone knew going into it the triple h was going to be the winner but ambrose just he, what he normally does, he just puts on a heck of a show. He did, he makes you a believer just watching him do what he does. And, you know, again, just obviously this guy just knows what he's doing. He knows his – he's 
he's going to end up being a ring general, just much like Triple H is. He just knows where he's at. He knows, you know, at the drop of a dime, what's next, what's going to happen. So I was totally turned on by the match. I loved it. I just really wish they would have carried that dusty finish over to Raw. I really think, ah, man, I really wish they would have. I wish they did. They just would have allowed Ambrose to pin trip and, and and just carry and then carried it over to Raw. You know, you could have, you could have had. Just think about the buzz that that would have received if Ambrose pinned Triple H and then come Raw, they would have showed footage of his foot being under the ropes. You, that's that's what I'm talking about. You have to have these cliffhangers. You have to have these, you know, carryovers to make people intrigued to want to come back for more. You do a dusty finish and have Triple H just simply win. That doesn't really do anything to build the story, but especially when they had when they have nothing to do with each other. You know, when it comes to WrestleMania three weeks away. So I mean, it's just one of those things. I just really wish it would have carried over to Raw and they would have sold the Dusty finish there. Adam, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I know uh, kind of going off what you guys are saying, that it, it, you know, it seemed pretty obvious that Triple H was going to win, but I, you know, I thought they did a really good job of teasing the idea that he might lose. And I, I, was, uh, I was just very impressed with how the match was put together. Um, they gave him a lot of time. I was, I was kind of wondering how, how long it was going to go. Um, because I think the main event started around the two-hour mark of the show, mm-hmm. and I was curious uh, if if this because they had it had appeared on the schedule that it was going to be a, a full three-hour show, and it was about a two two and a half hour show. But um, yeah, it was booked at two and a half from the beginning as far yeah. as far as so, I read. So obviously they weren't going to go sixty minutes or anything like that. But uh, I guess the, the other thing that really I, I guess there's a couple things. The, the first thing is the Dean Ambrose connection with the audience seems to be really taking off at an interesting time all the while where we're, they're trying to make this Roman Reigns thing happen. Um, I was just reading uh, a live report from the SmackDown tapings tonight in Cincinnati, and I guess Roman opened the show and got a very mixed reaction. Now, they were in Cincinnati, which is Dean's hometown, so you can't put too much stock into this, but he just right. got an absolutely gigantic reaction. Um, I live in a smaller market in Iowa, and uh, at the house show I was at two weeks ago, he easily got the biggest reaction of the night. Um, and it's re- and I, I was somebody that was kind of on the fence about Dean Ambrose post uh, the Shield. I was kind of I was a little annoyed with with some of his antics, the the oh I'm a crazy guy and I, that kind of stuff. I was like eh, I don't know about this. And and there, there's a lot of stuff in ring that I would really like to see him drop the the goofy bounce off the ropes clothesline oh, thing. It just looks please. really silly. Yes. But that that stuff aside, I can't as as much as as I was kind of on the fence with him, I can't I can't really deny the reactions, the consistent reactions that he's getting everywhere they go, and it's it's really interesting um, to kind of see the the trajectory he's taking and the the, the almost uh, downfall that the Roman Reigns character is experiencing right now, and it's mm-hmm. not Roman's fault. I mean a lot. I mean I, agree. I, I really do feel bad for Roman Reigns because. He is in a situation where they are just trying to make something happen with his dude, and it's just mm-hmm. not clicking. And I am, I am, I don't know about you guys, but I am, I am very curious to see the direction they take at WrestleMania in a few weeks because this idea that Roman Reigns winning the title is going to end that show and and come off positive 
just seems amazing to me if that's the call they're going to go with. I'm not going to be outraged if that's what they do because it kind of feels like that's what we're going to get. But inside that AT&T Stadium with, you know, close to 90,000 people, maybe 95, um, that's going to be an interesting atmosphere. And it's most likely going to be pretty negative. Uh, I mean, because that, that's a that's a pretty passionate audience to come all the way to WrestleMania. So they're, they're going to voice their thoughts and, so that that to me has been interesting watching Dean Ambrose and, and watching this main event, kind of seeing his rise. And, and secondly, I am really impressed at the shape Triple H has got himself into. Not to say that he's been out of shape in recent years in the matches, but he seems to be in maybe the best shape of his entire career right now. Um, and it, it's it's a lot of people were obviously very critical of the, of the decision for him to get this run as champion, but obviously we knew the end game was to get him at least you know to WrestleMania. So I had no problem with it, but I, I have mm-hmm. to say the guy's really stepping up and, and he had a just, I mean, a really, really good main event with Dean Ambrose at this, at this show. So um, I, I thought it was a really good way to, to cap off the show. And, and yeah, there were some, some low parts and, you know, I, I didn't really go in expecting this to be a, uh, a high level pay-per-view presentation from this company. Cause these, these kind of shows aren't selling subscriptions. I mean, these, these are not part of your, if, if you're making a pitch for somebody to become a subscriber to this network, this isn't something you're going to, you're going to put the forefront. You're going to put the 12 pay-per-view events, the forefront, you're going to put the, the stockpile of pay-per-view archives, the original content, all the television, the, the stuff from the vault, the, the documentaries, you're going to put all that stuff way before you put, these are just kind of bonus specials that you get as a subscriber in addition to, mm-hmm. you know, all the other stuff. But I thought all, all in all, it was uh, it was a really good main event. They did a good job. Yeah, I think it was good too. And I will say that Triple H has been grossly out of shape uh, a few years ago when he went against Punk. I think it was uh, eleven, so approaching five years ago. Crazy that that was that long ago. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, yeah he uh, yeah he was uh, it was rough. And um, his feud with Lesnar, he he was uh, trying to get back in. I can tell. But uh, yeah, you're right, man. Uh, almost hitting 47 years old, you know, he, he's in he's in phenomenal shape. Um, but yeah, and again, I, I agree with you. I I was I was that guy who had absolutely no you know qualms at all with uh, Triple H. I actually wrote an article about it. Uh, I had no qualms with Triple H winning the the, the World Heavyweight Championship. I actually predicted him. Uh, winning the championship at the Royal Rumble, and I had no qualms with it at all. He, he's a good heat magnet. He draw. He does. He's always been very good with drawing heat. And you know, whoever that guy was opposite him at WrestleMania, um, he would have. I mean, he, you know, he does a good job. He's a veteran in the game. He, he he's has amazing psychology. I'm I've never been a big Triple H guy, but at the same time, I respect his I respect his work. And I think that him drawing that heat, winning the title, is what you need right now as far as building that person up for WrestleMania. So I was totally okay with it. Let's get through Raw right quick. I'll just um, just go through it and uh, just get some highlights with y'all as far as what y'all thought. A New Day um, defeated the League of Nations, Rusev and uh, Dario. Then you get a big jump fest afterwards. Uh, M-Ring promo with Ambrose. Interrupted by Lesnar, so they, you know, this is when they continue the feud. Right back defeating Sincara uh, uh, Negro. Uh, I guess he, um, I guess he just got mad and decided. I mean, the gear was nice though. I would say that. Uh, 
Bubba Ray defeating uh, Jay. Uh, that was, and then Renee Young announced that uh, they will be competing against each other at WrestleMania. The Usos and the Dudleys that actually carried over to WrestleMania. How about that? Um, that was uh, yeah, that was last week. Uh, but yeah, and then after that, after you have, um, let's see, after that you have. The the Ziggler uh, thing, yeah, the, the Ryback defeating Sin Cara and then challenged him for the U.S. title. The Triple H entering promo interrupted by Ziggler, which was very promising, very interesting. Uh, books a match on Raw with Ziggler defeating Triple H. If Ziggler won, he picks his match, excluding the world title WrestleMania. Some there was some promise there, um, but it didn't didn't deliver. Unfortunately, Zayn defeating the Miz uh, with the Owens distraction. Uh, kind of, kind of brings us to not really thinking that it will be exclusively Zayn and Owens at Mania. Naomi and Tamina defeating Brie Bell and Alicia Fox. Uh, more Lana uh, disruption. Looks like we may get a six to eight. <laughs> excuse me, six to eight woman uh, title match. Uh, not, not title match, but Divas match uh, at WrestleMania. Usos defeating the Social Outcasts. Uh, Foley talks to Ambrose and gives him. Um, the chain, the Cactus Jack bat, interestingly. Triple H defeating Dolph Ziggler. Um, kind of the same thing with Ambrose. Uh, just the really good ebbs and flows during the match. Uh, Neville defeating Jericho by DQ. Uh, and there's many reports going on that that was actually um, a chain's finish because Neville uh, injured his, uh, fractured his uh, um Ankle area, and well, he, he yeah, he ejected up his ankle, so uh, we'll be missing WrestleMania. And then uh, AJ comes out with the phenomenal forearm. Whoa, Vince McMahon in ring promo introduces the Undertaker. Shane McMahon comes out, has words for uh, Vince, and Undertaker calls Taker a Vince's B, gets choke slammed. Taker turns to Vince though, and Vince runs out of ring, so. Still not a full-fledged heel by Taker. Still kind of the hired gun, reluctant hired gun. What were some uh, high points and low points for Raw uh, for you, Adam? You know, I have to say I was I was intrigued to see where they were going to stick the um, the Undertaker segment with with Shane and and Vince and. You know, I, I know these are old acts and and we've we've seen these guys for so long, but they still kind of commands your attention and I was uh it was interesting to see too in the and again, you know, it's television rated so you can't put too much stock into it, but the last hour had the most viewers, which tends to be the the opposite every week when you look at the ratings breakdowns. Usually the show starts strong and ends pretty low. Mm-hmm. So they were actually to uh, they were able to to you know maintain a larger audience for that final segment with with everybody. So I kind of thought that was the highlight. I did like the Triple H Roman Reigns uh brawl that they did. I thought that was actually pretty well done. The crowd is just kind of determined to react to Roman Reigns the way they want to, which is just very negative. So mm-hmm. it's it's interesting when you know you're trying to set him up for this huge attack, and the, and the fans uh, were were booing very loudly in Pittsburgh towards his way. So you know you feel bad for the for the dude, but you know it's it's just this path, and you kind of. You, you want to just kind of scream at them, like, are you listening to this audience? You know, are you, li-? and then, and maybe they have something really cool planned for WrestleMania and it's going to be, you know, not what we're expecting it to be, but 
Um, I definitely thought the the stuff uh, with with Triple H and, and, and Roman and, and the ending segment were probably the uh, were the highlights of the show. Yeah, indeed, Derek. Yeah, well, last night honestly, I think was Dolph Ziggler's night. I mean, he came out you know upset, and you know they called him the lovable loser, if I remember right, which which is great. That that perfectly sums up Dolph Ziggler, and. For him to go out last night, I mean, again, they had a great time. You know, Triple H and Ziggler golf fighting each other. Almost a repeat of what you know, him and Ambrose did. So, again, that just shows you know, Triple H can make anybody look like a million dollars. And Dolph Ziggler doesn't need anyone to make him look like a million dollars because he does that on his own. That was great. Kind of, I like the truth now once Goldust is a partner. And so Goldust is still the – he's now the one that's being the standoffish one. I've oh, got man. so much – I I want them to be a tag team so bad. I do uh, they're too. going to be hilarious. It's going to be awesome. And uh, uh, a shame for Neville. I mean, that's too bad because I mean, this is a guy. Y two J. They. I mean, if they were a team to throw down, both of these two contenders can just absolutely tear the house down. Mm-hmm. I like the end with Shane and Vince and Taker, where uh, Shane says, "I'm doing this for my kids and the fans' kids," and Taker just says, "Yeah, I got these two fists, and that's all I've got." And so uh, that adds to it. I still don't know what to make of this feud and what the match is going to be. I just, I, it, it, I'm still just mind boggled. I don't know what to expect of WrestleMania from this, mm-hmm. from this angle. So, you know, whatever happens, I mean, the build up to it is kind of weird. I enjoy it. I like it because I like everybody that's involved in it. But I don't know if I'm going to like the outcome. So, and you know what the outcome would be. So, it's just you know. Other than that, the raw was typical, lackluster raw, for the most part. But I think it's Dolph Ziggler. He shined last night, and you know. But I mean, he could do that on his own. So he doesn't need Triple H to do that for him. But evidently, the booking committee thinks so. Uh-huh. What arena, Derek, hosted the first WrestleMania? That was Madison Square Garden. Good job. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I dare you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm still not sold on the Taker Shane thing. I, you know, I'm a not... lot of people aren't. I'm very curious because I've I've seen some articles in recent weeks where people are just like they they just aren't feeling that. But to me, I mean, I I understand from an in ring standpoint, maybe people just they're they're not looking forward to that, but just having Shane back, I think was was cool in itself. It's it, it's just something they needed to do something. I, I felt mm-hmm. like when when right after um, right after the last uh, the last pay per view, there was this this vibe after Fastlane that it was just like okay, here we go, and yeah. that that this that that Triple H Roman Reigns thing was like the focal point, and then having Shane, you know, come back, I thought really injected a breath of fresh air into the into the the card a little bit. I know. People, I guess I'm curious why people are so uh, are so down on it. Well, for me, again, it's a story thing for me. It's like you know who's drawing the heat, who's getting the pops, who are the people behind, and I can't stand split crowds. I, I don't like split crowd matches. Now, I don't like I don't like split crowd big money matches. Now, Jay, uh, now Jericho Styles is okay with me. The uh, AJ Styles YGJ thing, that's fine, but that was a mid card feud. But when you have big money feuds, splitting the crowd to me, it just doesn't make much sense. Especially 
babyface versus babyface matches and babyface versus babyface manias. I'm okay with that for the big match feel. Like Austin Rock at 17, they both were babyfaces. I think it worked perfectly because they were just larger than life characters. But once you like, if if your goal is to put someone over, is to build heat or to get people to rally behind someone, and you have a match like The Undertaker, home state, potentially his last, he's not going to get booed. As you saw on Raw, it, he had one of the biggest ovations in Pittsburgh, who was, which was surprisingly a flat, flat, more flat crowd um, on this Raw. And so you have Shane, you know, who surprisingly didn't receive a, a bigger, a bigger enough ovation or, or as big ovation as in Chicago and Detroit, but. It, you know, it's one of those things that who do I get behind? Who do I rally behind? Who's the heel? Who's getting the heat? And just because, just because uh, Vince is there, he draws heat. He does a really good job. But I think he kind of gets swept away a little bit because Taker is such a fan favorite. I mean, he just really is. I I I would even venture to say that they actually came in booking him as a heel when he came back last year with the whole low blows and everything, especially when he came back during the uh, Brock's match with Seth Rollins, it seems as if they were trying to make him a heel, but it, it backfired because he's the undertaker. He's an anomaly. He, he's a, he's a part-time wrestler and anytime, and people complain about part-time wrestlers all the time. I never get that argument because they're anomalies. People don't see them a lot. They get ovations, they sell money, they're attractions. So I don't have any problem with part-time wrestlers um, that are big, bigger names like The Rock and, and, and uh, Sting and, and Lesnar and so forth. Uh, but and, and Taker, of course, I just, just I just don't get the story. There's no story, uh, no one drawing heat, and just it's just confusing to me. Uh, real quick, other than that, um, uh, that was cool. But I think that that it's just weird because we talk about Roman Reigns and. To me, it just it just seems as if his return should have gotten more uh, should have got a, a, a bigger spotlight. I would have had if the if the the part if the whole point is to get kind of get Ziggler over and have him go against anyone to his choosing at WrestleMania, which would have been perfect. I would have had Roman Reigns again. He was getting all the people rallying behind him. Stephanie was having the people in Pittsburgh rally behind Dolph Ziggler. Just think about how I I think that he the Roman Reigns get would have gotten a lot less heat by helping Ziggler beat Triple H than to just simply come out and and just go against Triple H and and, and beat him up. I think he would have got a lot more pops by actually helping Dolph Ziggler. But real quick, let's get uh, to the Flavor of the Week. It is now time for the Flavor of the Week. Real quick, we go to Jacqueline for, uh, for being inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Had some interesting uh, trivia, uh, some statistics for the first half, first 16 years of WrestleMania. I've only got a couple minutes, so I won't really have time to get through it, but just a couple things. Wendy Richter defeating Leilani Kai. I actually watched that match last week. It was a very dull match, but Sidney Lauper was there. Um, and then 
there was not a women's match. Just a real quick statistic. There was not a women's match from WrestleMania 2 to WrestleMania 10. WrestleMania 10 was a Lunder Blaze defeating Leilani Kai, interestingly enough. And, yeah, so that pretty much shows you uh, the concentration on the women's wrestling division uh, of the WWE or lack thereof. All right, so let's talk about title changes. Uh, I'll go through the title changes, and uh, just with you know, thirty seconds, forty-five seconds, uh, you both of you will let me know uh, what is your most most memorable. Uh, WrestleMania thirteen, Undertaker defeating uh, Cycle Sid in an ODQ match to win the WWE uh, Championship, and uh, of course, uh, in two thousand and well the. WrestleMania 14, 1998, uh, the the title change uh, there was uh, Shawn Michaels losing to Austin, of course, with Mike Tyson, the baddest man on the planet, uh, uh, helping, uh, interestingly enough. And then, of course, the uh, dumpster match with uh, New Age Outlaws uh, defeating, uh, losing to Cactus Jack and, and Chainsaw Charlie. I just I, I interviewed uh, Billy Gunn. Uh, couple months ago and he talked about that match a, a little bit. WrestleMania 15, uh the title match that we the, the title changes that we saw there uh was The Rock losing to Steve Austin uh for the for the uh championship and uh Billy Gunn losing the hardcore championship to Hardcore Holly uh in a triple threat triple threat match uh with Al Snow included. WrestleMania, um, the, the next one, 16, uh, was, and we'll, we'll stop there, um, was Kurt Angle. He had the, he had the two matches. He lost both titles, um, Intercontinental and European Championship. He was the Eurocontinental Championship. Uh, champion and uh, lost there, and then the Dudleys uh, losing the tag title match at uh, TLC. So, and then the Hardcore Battle Royal, uh, Hardcore Holly won that one too. So, out of those, uh, we'll talk about more uh, next week. Um, out of those, Derek, real quick, which one is your memorable title change? Adam, what's your most memorable title change? Oh, I thought you were going to Derek first. I'm sorry. Yeah, um, I did, but I don't know. I, he, I don't know what happened. There. I, uh, I kind of, I kind of want to lean towards Austin beating Shawn Michaels at 14, just because that, that was just such a dramatic shift in the industry at that point. I mean, you had, you know, WCW doing so well at that time, uh, and then the WWE really starting to pick up steam and. The the you know inclusion of Mike Tyson was just uh, was really really well done. Um, mm-hmm. it, I mean it's it's something that they constantly show. I mean if it's something that they're still showing that long ago now, I mean you know it made an impact. So I, obviously you rattled off some really some really good ones, but I think that one with Austin beating Shawn Michaels because um, you saw that was the exit of Shawn Michaels at that point until he mm-hmm. came back what in two thousand two and. That kicked off the Austin era, so I think that one by far would be my pick. Yeah, I would I would agree with you on that one uh, for sure. I would also give uh, the triangle 
ladder match some credit at 2000 as well. Um, Cause that was not necessary. It wasn't called a TLC match, but it was donned really the first of their series and uh, edge and Christian winning uh, all of them. So uh, in, in the series, I think the series actually started SummerSlam of that year of 2000, if I'm not mistaken. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Hello. Awesome, awesome show. Yeah. <laughs> We're closing up here. Where'd uh, I go? Doggone it. That sucks. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> good night, Chris. Jeez. Uh, well, thanks. Thank you Same all. Same thing. WrestleMania listening. 14 was the best. There we go. 14? You're a 14. <laughs> yeah, that was my choice. <laughs> well, thank you all uh, for joining us. Adam, thanks, man. Uh, we thought, uh, fantastic job. We uh, hope you enjoyed the show tonight. And uh, uh, 15 seconds of uh, your thoughts, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. I had some some fun talking wrestling, and uh, thanks uh, thanks for having me on. And uh, check out wrestleview.com. And uh, I also am part of the Train Adam Show as well at trainadamshow.com. And uh, I'm all over the place. At Adam Wrestleview on Twitter is where I post everything, so you can find it all there. Nice, awesome. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for your support. Until next week, enjoy your week of wrestling. God bless. And we'll be here next week with Donovan Dijak. Don't uh, miss that show. Donovan Dijak, last week's uh, last year's ROH top prospect winner. So he'll be on the show live. So we'll see you next week. Goodbye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 